America spends five to ten times more on health care than any other country in the world. Then why does America rank number 43 worldwide for longevity? Third world countries such as Cuba and Costa Rica rank higher than the U.S. So what's wrong with health care in America? This is what's wrong. Our $3 trillion healthcare industry is focused on disease management, while 70% of our planet relies on traditional indigenous medicine that is focused on health optimization. Learn how. Join Dr. Dan Royal on the show, The Royal Treatment, bringing you the latest information on the best of medicine, biotechnology, and pharmacology, as well as secrets from the past. These secrets have withstood the test of time and are being rediscovered today. In fact, indigenous healthcare practitioners are using them for the benefit of their patients who seek optimal health and wellness. Now, here is Dr. Dan Royal. Greetings, listeners. I am Dr. Dan Royal, and you are now listening to another episode of The Royal Treatment. The Royal Treatment is here every week to answer your health questions. So, if you have a question, please feel free to email me at droyal at royalmedicalclinic.com. D is in Daniel Royal, R-O-Y-A-L, at royalmedicalclinic, all one word, dot com. Or call us here at the Turtle Healing Band Clinic. That's where I work, THB Clinic, here in Las Vegas at 702-562-1454. That's 702-562-1454. What do we talk about here on this show? Well, every week we review obituaries, people who died too young from diseases they shouldn't have had because... Life expectancy in the U.S. is declining, and we have a key interest in that because our focus here in my clinic is to help patients live a long, healthy quality of life. But that's not what medical insurance is designed to do. Typical medical insurance is designed for disease management. It's sick care. It's not for healthy people. If you want real health insurance, or we call them health programs, that's a different route. You have to pay for that yourself. Insurance is not going to pay for you to go to the gym and exercise, to get adequate sleep, to take supplements, or to get a lot of other health-related treatments, such as chiropractic adjustments, acupuncture, massage, etc. However, you can get a high deductible low premium insurance those are called health programs it comes with a health savings plan into which you can put your money and have control over it so instead of paying $700 a month as an individual for your sick care insurance you can put that into a health program and use that money yourself however you deem fit with the tax tax deductions to go along with that health savings plan those are the people that we see the patients who typically don't want to take drugs or they want to get off of drugs. We can help you because drugs have side effects. And frankly, it's the number three cause of death in this country. That's medicines or medicine side effects and iatrogenic disease such as doctor or or hospital mistakes. Number one cause of death in this country is, well, Probably cancer now. Traditionally, it has been heart disease. But cancer is becoming the number one cause of death in the majority of industrialized countries now throughout the world. Number three, depending on who you talk to, is constructive or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. That's a long word. We just simply call it COPD. That's a lung disease. But in reality, the one that is not talked about, not reported, is the iatrogenic disease or drug side effects. 250,000 Americans dead every year from drug side effects and physician mistakes. And you'll see that from time to time as we review obituaries. So today we will be reviewing people who died too young from diseases they shouldn't have had just this last week. We'll be looking at some recent publications I think you'll find of interest. And we will start talking about vaccinations. A friend of mine had her daughter recently let her know that she thinks vaccines are the way to go for her children. But she's only getting one side of the story. When you only get one side of the story, we call that a half-truth. Half-truth is as good as an untruth because it is biased. It doesn't give you the other side of the story that you need to hear. There's a reason why the federal government has a vaccine compensation injury program for people that have had vaccinations and 
have been injured. And so because of that, we need to make informed decisions. We'll be talking about that towards the end of the program. But first of all, let's get started with obituaries. The average life expectancy in the U.S., as you may know, is about 78, maybe 70 and a half years of age. Women living to be about 81.2 years of age and men to 76.4 years of age. We know for a fact that that has been declining. It's not getting better. That's why we're number 46 now in the world in terms of our quality of health care. That has been going down for three years. Still waiting for the 2018 statistics to come out. Can you believe that? When they do, we expect life expectancy will have declined again a fourth year in a row. That would be a new record for the United States. Well, last week, we had a 27-year-old woman who passed away unexpectedly. That means sudden heart attack or sudden death from heart attack. 35-year-old man who grew up in the kitchen bar and motel passed away from cancer. 52-year-old woman who worked for Lutheran Social Services passed away in the hospital. 63-year-old woman, an assistant controller for a bank, passed away from heart disease and a sudden stroke. 69-year-old man who worked at the Nevada test site died suddenly at home. 69-year-old man who was a boilermaker with U.S. Steel passed away in hospice from a brain disease. 72-year-old woman passed away also unexpectedly. 72-year-old man, a math teacher and high school principal, passed away from lymphoma cancer that contributed to dementia. And finally, a 77-year-old woman who worked in archaeology and nursing passed away from Lewy body dementia, one of the three types of dementia that causes people to die. We have Alzheimer's, we have vascular disease, and Lewy body. I'm Dr. Dan Roy. Listen to The Royal Treatment. We're going to continue our discussion right after the break. Stay with us. Targeting cancer cells with DMSO reduces the need for full-dose chemotherapy by up to 90% because DMSO targets cancer cells, not healthy cells. Research demonstrates that DMSO, also known as dimethyl sulfoxide, has an affinity for cancer cells, which also allows DMSO to enter them even when DMSO is carrying chemo drugs. Could low-dose chemo with DMSO be the answer you've been searching for? Find out more by calling Dr. Dan Royal at 702 1454. When low-dose chemo is combined with DMSO or insulin, it's called potentiation therapy. This is because the cancer-killing power they create together is much greater than when they're administered separately. Are you a cancer patient who wants more than disease management? Could low-dose chemo help you achieve optimal health and wellness? Call Dr. Dan Royal at 702-562-1454 to see if you qualify for low-dose chemo. That's 702-562-1454. Hi, everybody. This is Sharon Oran, and I'm here for Coffee with Sharon, the newest, hottest radio show at Northern Nevada. So why don't you join me on Thursday, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. on my new weekly show, when we're going to have everybody that is somebody and everybody that you didn't know was somebody joining me over here for Coffee with Sharon, talking about Northern Nevada, our local politics, and what's happening in all of the state. So tune in Thursday, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. I'll be here. Will you? Brought to you in part by Michael's Reno Power Sports. Wynema Ranch Wild Horse Sanctuary, a preserve dedicated to keeping America's wild mustangs and burros running free. Wynema Ranch, 29 miles north of Reno near Hallelujah Junction. An amazing sight to visit. Over 130 of God's majestic animals at home on the range. Experience the beauty and wonder. Give at WynemaRanch.com. That's W-Y-N-E-M-A Ranch.com or call 775-384-4444. Wynema Ranch. So here's the choice. Some people say the USA is finished. It's evil, a has-been, full of hate and injustice. The U.S. Constitution should be trashed and the Bill of Rights abolished. No free speech, no gun ownership, competition, and free markets are bad. We're all too stupid. For our own good, the government must own everything and know all your secrets. Other people say that America has created the freest, richest, happiest, most generous society that has ever existed in the world. That's why millions of people are desperate to come here and escape their brutal lives in Cuba, Venezuela, North Korea, and 100 other countries. In America, we have the right to succeed, the right to our own living, the right to have a family, the right to believe in God, the right to have our own ideas, the right to be safe and secure, and the right to be left alone. Where do you stand? Help us save the Constitution and restore the American dream. Go to SaveMyFreedom.com. Brought to you by the American Media Council. This overload 
John Molasson here. Join us for the Nevada Radio Roundup, Fridays at 2 p.m. A good news variety show all about the local scene. The Nevada Roundup, Friday at 2. To join the conversation, call 844-790-TALK. That's 844-790-8255. Now back to the show. We are back to the show. I'm Dr. Dan Royal, and you, my friends, are listening to The Royal Treatment. Before the break, we were talking about obituaries. People who died too young from diseases they shouldn't have had just last week. Those are the local people. When I say local, I'm talking about here in Las Vegas, where I practice in the Turtle Healing Bank Clinic, and also in Reno, Nevada. Those are the two major cities in this state. Now we're going to look at international deaths of celebrity notables around the world who passed away just this last week, also too young from diseases they shouldn't have had. Let's take a look. We have George Atkinson, American NFL football player. He died at 27 years of age, exactly one year after his twin brother committed suicide. The cause of death still under investigation. We have Cha Inha, South Korean actor. He died at 27 years of age in his home, or at least that's where he was found, possibly from suicide or drug overdose. Brad Goldbright, American free solo rock climber, died at 31 years of age while descending a cliff in Mexico and falling 300 feet to his death. Sometimes we take chances with life. Life is too precious. Godfrey Gao, a Taiwanese-Canadian model and actor, died at 35 years of age from a heart attack. He was 35. Juninho Beren, Brazilian samba singer and songwriter, died at 38 years of age from an infection caused by surgery. That's one of those iatric or iatric genetic diseases I talked about at the beginning of the show. Marit Feltranta, Finnish politician, died at 51 years of age from stomach cancer. Although she was diagnosed 10 years ago and recovered twice, supposedly, she was 51. Charles Gutenberg, a Brazilian actor and humorist, died at 57 years of age from multiple organ failure following a bowel surgery, another iatrogenic disease. Stuart Fraser, Australian guitarist, died at 57 years of age from lung cancer. He was suffering from lung cancer for three years, and it was due to smoking cigarettes. But he felt his time on this earth was borrowed. We have Peter Malik, or Petra Malik, Czech sport shooter, Olympic silver medalist, 2000, died suddenly at 58 years of age, suddenly from of course, sudden death or heart attack. Gary Rhodes, English chef, died at 59 years of age after he fell ill very suddenly and then died unexpectedly from a subdural hematoma. Must have hit his head and not have known it, or at least not have known that it was bleeding very slowly inside. Paul Serba, an American Roman Catholic prelate and bishop of Duluth, died at 59 years of age from a heart attack. He was 59. Tiumola, Olanian, Nigerian academic, died at 60 years of age from heart failure. Milagros Tan, Filipino politician and governor of Samar, died at 61 years of age from a cardiac arrest. Mark Butler, American business executive, died at 61 years of age unexpectedly during Thanksgiving holiday with his family. Shaban Rahim, Egyptian Shabi singer, died at 62 years of age in military hospital from a bone disease and to put him in a wheelchair, probably metastatic cancer to the bone. Pim Verbeck, Dutch soccer manager, died at 63 years of age after a battle with cancer. Greedy Smith, Australian musician, died at 63 years of age from a heart attack. Aswar, Indonesian politician in region of South Aceh, died at 63 years of age. Marion McClinton, American theater director and playwright, died at 65 years of age from renal failure. We have Bala Singh, Indian actor, died at 67 years of age from cardiac arrest after being admitted to hospital for food poisoning. Sam Watson, Australian indigenous activist and writer, died at 67 years of age after a short illness in the hospital. Jay Powell, American member of Georgia House of Representatives, died at 67 years of age after suddenly collapsing while at a resort. Another sudden death syndrome. 
Giovanni Bertini, Italian soccer player, died at 68 years of age from ALS. You know that is myotrophic lateral sclerosis or Lou Gehrig's disease. Noksang Boham, Indian politician, died at 71 years of age after fighting cancer for a long time. Author Basting, New Zealand writer, musician, and children's advocate, died at 72 years of age after a long illness. Don't get sick. That's apparently what we're hearing today. William McCauley, American billionaire businessman and chairman of First Reserve Corporation, died at 74 years of age. Doesn't matter how influential, powerful, or wealthy you are. Everyone is subject to disease and death, even billionaires. Howard Cruz, American cartoonist and comic book writer, died at 75 years of age after succumbing to cancer. As I said, it is becoming the number one cause of death throughout the world. Stefan Danilov, Bulgarian actor-politician and minister of culture, died at 76 years of age after a series of treatments for lymphoma, a type of blood cancer. Kobe Kuhn, Swiss soccer player for the national team and manager, died at 76 years of age from senile leukemia, a blood type of cancer that was diagnosed actually back in 2011. Maurice Janssen's Latvian conductor died at 76 years of age from heart disease. And finally, Sushil Kumar, Indian Admiral and Chief of the Naval Staff, died at 79 years of age in an Army Research Hospital after a short illness. Well, that's the obituaries, local and international, of people who died too young from diseases they shouldn't have had just this last week. Well, let's take a look at some of the things that you might have to help you identify early heart disease. Now, heart disease has typically been the number one cause of death in this country, slowly becoming number two as cancer overtakes it. But it's still a problem, as you know. Preventing heart disease in patients is, well, the main goal of many doctors, but you can't totally block its development. They say that sometimes even infants are born with some atherosclerosis nowadays. Changes in lifestyle and medical therapies can delay or deny the onset of a heart attack. And almost 80% of heart disease is preventable with lifestyle changes. That means you have to take some responsibility, my friends. You have to make some decisions. Your doctor can advise you, but he's an expert in disease management, not health optimization. That's why we have this program, to help educate you and hopefully motivate you to take the initiative for a better life. I had a patient in my office yesterday who has an addiction to alcohol, and not surprisingly, he is suffering from anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideations, meaning that he's thought about taking his own life. The good news is he's not taking prescription medicines. Why is that good news? Well, the prescription medicines typically prescribed for someone like that can actually make him worse. So we prescribe some natural alternatives, and we will be monitoring him closely. The only thing we actually found on his blood work so far was that he had an active Epstein-Barr virus. That's something you're exposed to when you're younger as mono, but it can resurface later in life as Epstein-Barr. You have to check the EBV early antigen or antigen D to see if it's active. And you need to be concerned about that, my friends, because it's a cancer-causing virus. But we'll get back to that after we discuss heart disease. Now, patients are surprised to learn that the following list I'm about to give you can give you some clues to underlying silent heart disease years before a heart attack. Let's take a look. See if you have any of these five things we're going to be talking about. Now, men have a built-in warning system for silent cardiovascular disease or heart disease when achieving an erection is difficult or impossible. It can be a sign of clogged arteries in the pelvis that prevents before a heart attack hits. There are an average three to five years between the onset of ED or erectile dysfunction and the finding of cardiovascular heart disease, which is plenty of time to detect and to work on preventing heart issues. Now, if you and your partner are worried about sexual performance, look for and treat the root causes of diseased arteries before just popping the little blue pill. That's number one. Let's look at number two. You're going bald. In a comprehensive study of almost 37,000 men, severe baldness at the crown of the head strongly predicted the presence of silent 
coronary heart disease at any age. In a separate study of more than 7,000 people, including over 4,000 women, moderate to severe baldness doubled the risk of dying from heart disease in both sections. Well, now let's look at number three. You have gray hair. A new study in Europe, EuroPrevent 2017, found that a high amount of gray hair is a risk factor for silent heart atherosclerosis. A total of 545 adult men without known heart disease had a CT angiogram of their heart arteries, a very accurate way to identify silent problems. Having equal amounts of gray and dark hair, or mainly gray and white hair, correlated with finding silent heart blockages. The researchers commented that atherosclerosis and hair graying occur through similar biological pathways. Number four, you have a diagonal earlobe. Yes, really. One of the stranger markers, a crease in your earlobe, specifically an angle crease from the ear that runs diagonally from the canal to the lower edge of the earlobe, has been mentioned in medical research reports as a silent coronary heart disease risk factor for decades. The ear crease may result from poor circulation, including in the arteries of the heart. Although some medical professionals have argued that a crease is just a general sign of aging, researchers last year used the most sophisticated CT scan method to measure silent coronary heart disease and found that ear crease predicted heart disease even after the authors account for other risk factors, such as age and smoking. And finally, number five, you have calf pain when you walk. This is known as claudication, from the Latin for to limp. Atherosclerosis can block leg arteries, particularly in smokers, before coronary heart disease is diagnosed. This symptom requires an evaluation without delay. Your doctor will examine the pulses in your legs and perform simple measures of leg blood pressure and blood flow to confirm a diagnosis of poor circulation. Well, it's critical that heart disease be diagnosed as early as possible because there are many dietary and medical treatments that can help reverse this issue. Some patients who take these clues to heart can recognize silent risk factors for heart disease, in addition to their blood pressure and cholesterol, fasting glucose, and so forth. So the five things that we just discussed are, number one, erectile dysfunction. Number two, you're going bald. Number three, you have gray hair. Number four, you have a diagonal earlobe. And number five, you have calf pain when you walk. If you have any of those, you need to do a little more investigation to see if you have coronary heart disease. I'm Dr. Dan Roy. You're listening to The Royal Treatment. We're going to take a short break and be right back. Stay with us. After forming all the organs and body components necessary for human life, stem cells disappear, right? No. Stem cells are present in all of us just waiting for an opportunity to regenerate organs, joints, ligaments, muscles, and other body tissues they originally formed. Dr. Dan Royal has developed a unique patent-pending process for obtaining stem cells from your own blood. Stem cells can be concentrated, prepared, and delivered to areas where you need them most to repair old, damaged, and dying cells. Can your own stem cells help rejuvenate your body? To find out, call Dr. Dan Royal at 702-562-1454. Your own naturally occurring stem cells are the ultimate anti-aging treatment. They can be used to improve facial appearance and hair growth, as well as for aches, pains, and other conditions. Could your own stem cells help you achieve optimal health and wellness? Find out by calling Dr. Royal at 702-562-1454. Don't wait. Call today. That number again is 702-562-1454. Once a powerful leader in the world of finance and insurance, a now-retired Jim Stannard has taken on a new role as a singer-songwriter, fulfilling a dream that has burned for more than four decades. Working with platinum-selling rocker Kip Winger and Afghan Whigs guitarist John Skibbick to bring his songs to life, his debut release, Bucket List, has been met with enthusiasm. CD Baby syndicated writer Tony Mastriani wrote, This album is refreshing and most probably more interesting than what you've been listening to this year. It is my sleeper pick for best independent label album thus far in 2018. Jim Hines from Make a Scene agreed. Some gems here. Stannard has both a gift for poetry and narrative, drawing from a well of influences that include such diverse artists as Warren Zevon, The Who, David Bromberg, and Robert Earl Keane. Bucket List's 11 original songs makes up what Roots Music Report calls a grows-on-you set from a fresh and highly believable voice. Order your copy at jimstannardmusic.com or download wherever digital music is sold. Business owners and entrepreneurs know that good information is priceless. Just one great idea can make all the difference. Hi, this is Joe Morabito, host of CEO Business Mind. 
Each week, in one fast-paced hour, we share lots of proven tips and ideas to help you be more successful in business. Don't miss a minute of CEO Business Mind with me, Joe Morabito, right here on 1180 AM KCKQ. In the wake of a disaster, what one thing can you send that will help people the most? A blanket, a tent, a sandbag, a doctor. Actually, if you send a monetary donation, you send all these things. Even a small donation can make a big impact and can quickly become exactly what people affected by disaster need most. In the wake of a hurricane, your monetary donation can make a huge difference to those in need. To donate, visit supporthurricanerelief.org. That's supporthurricanerelief.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is America Matters Media on AM 1180 KCKQ. A Lotus Broadcast Station. The power of radio since 1967. Are you shy and don't want to talk on the air? Text us your questions or comments to 775-237-2266. Now back to the show. We are back to the show. I'm Dr. Dan Roy, and thank you for sticking with us. You are listening to The Royal Treatment. If you wish to send me a question of any kind, you may email it to d. Royal at RoyalMedicalClinic.com. That's D as in Daniel Royal, R-O-Y-A-L, at Royal Medical Clinic, all one word, dot com. Yesterday, we sent an email to some of our patients, and the email talked about a couple of patients we had recently I thought you might find of interest. Each of these patients thought they had cancer. Well, we had to do some investigation. The first patient was someone we had seen before, and she'd had all the right tests done. She had come with her husband and decided to get tested as well. And when she was here, we checked her for a few things and found that she had an elevated Epstein-Barr early antigen titer, which means the virus is active. In this case, she, the woman is 59 years of age, and because the EBV was elevated and active, we expected her nagalase, which is the enzyme produced by candrum virus, to be elevated as well, and it was. Now, through an oral protocol, we were able to reduce the nagalase to normal levels. We also checked her for the anti-malignant serum antibody test, the AMAS test. It is a cancer antibody test, and interestingly enough, it's a predictive test test. If you want to know if you have cancer in your body or your body's recognizing and fighting cancer before it becomes pathologic where it can be detected by imaging such as an MRI or a CAT scan, you can get the AMAS test. It's predictive up to about a year and a half or 18 months in advance. In her case, the test was normal. Now later, she found she had a lump in her breast and she was concerned that she had breast cancer. We were not concerned because we knew that her AMS test was negative. Nevertheless, she went ahead. She had the mammogram done with an ultrasound-guided biopsy, and the pathology report showed the lump to be cancer-free and negative. Now, false positives and negatives for the AMS test are less than 1%. On the flip side, it also has a 99% specificity and sensitivity for being accurate. The other patient was a 62-year-old male who came to our clinic with a known PSA or prostate-specific antigen test that was elevated. He had a history of cancer in his family. Both his brother and his father had experienced prostate cancer. When we did testing for him, we also found that his Epstein-Barr virus or early antigen was elevated and active. Naturally, his nagalase was elevated, but not as high as we might expect it to be if someone had cancer. His AMAS test was normal. Physical examination reveals his prostate to be without any suspicious lesions. And it was confirmed by the urologist that the patient did not have cancer. But we already knew this because the AMAS test was negative. And so in each of these cases, we were able to put their minds at rest but mainly because we already knew that the cancer antibody test, that the body in these otherwise normal, healthy people was not recognizing and making antibodies against cancer, even at the pre- or subclinical stage. 
of their medical condition. Well, here's a study I thought you might find of interest. This study has shown that prediabetes is now afflicting about one-fourth or 25% of our young adults in America. About a quarter of young adults in the United States met the criteria for prediabetes in recent years, according to new CDC data. That's our disease center. In a cross-sectional analysis of 2005 to 2016 National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, 24% of individuals ages 19 to 34 were considered to have pre-diabetes. This issue also afflicted younger Americans, as about 18% of adolescents from ages 12 to 18 met the criteria for pre-diabetes. In a predictive model, male adolescents had nearly double the prevalence of prediabetes compared with females, 22.5% versus 13.4%. Researchers said that, unsurprisingly, a high prediabetes prevalence was seen among individuals with obesity versus those of normal weight. The young adults who were obese comprised about 36.9% of the prediabetics compared with only 16.6% of normal weight adults. In a similar trend, 27.5% of adolescents with obesity met the criteria for prediabetes versus only 16.4% of normal weight adolescents. Another non-surprise was that young people who had prediabetes tended to have several increased metabolic risk factors as well. Now, some of these increased metabolic risk factors included their blood pressure. Systolic blood pressure was higher. They also had a higher level of non-high-density lipoprotein cholesterol. The high-density, or HDL, is a protective one. They had a higher waist-to-height ratio. Their BMI, basal metabolic index, was raised. Fasting insulin was higher, as was lower insulin sensitivity. Same trends were reported among young adults and those with pre-diabetes having a significantly worse cardiometabolic profile. The researchers said these new findings are evidence of a growing epidemic and a tremendously worrisome threat to the future of our nation's health. Well, of course, you can improve that by getting into better shape. We've talked about ways that you can do that. We talked about it just recently, as last week, where we mentioned that a study showed earlier this year that if one is able to perform 40 push-ups, now keep in mind it's not as easy as it sounds. The Army and the Marines require that their recruits be able to perform 42 push-ups. But if you have a push-up capacity of 40, you have a 96% reduced risk of cardiovascular disease. That's just one thing you can work on. And you can also be more mindful of the things that you take into your body. Some foods are going to cause you more problems with your blood sugar than others. Those are the ones that are made with refined sugars, the glucose and the sucrose that don't require much energy for your body to metabolize. Refined sugars, when we say that, we're talking about cakes, pies, ice creams, and so forth. These things can be, well, if not eliminated, kept to a minimum so that we focus on things that actually contribute to our health and not our disease. Well, as I mentioned earlier in the program, one of my friends is struggling with the concept of how to educate their children on whether or not vaccinations should be used or not. That's a question that all parents have to struggle with because there are pros and cons and the controversy goes back to the very beginning back in the 1800s so let's take a look at this a little more closely adult vaccines are likely to be more widely mandated soon if you didn't already know that especially in view of outbreaks or i should say alleged outbreaks of measles pertussis and mumps and fully vaccinated adults whose vaccine-induced immunity apparently waned. This is a very common problem. The measles used to have one booster required, then two, then three, because it's not permanent. Now, if you've had the measles, you will develop a lifelong immunity. But a vaccine only provides an artificial immunity for some diseases, 
The problem with vaccines is medicine doesn't have a methodology for treating viruses. So it lives a little bit in fear, and the only means it is found to counteract this is by striving to be a little bit proactive, I suppose, by vaccinating people. On the flip side, homeopathic medicine has a remedy for viruses. A remedy can be found for all viruses. And what does that mean? Well, homeopathics make no sodes. That means the disease uh, tissue is taken and diluted and shaken and made homeopathically. It becomes Mother Nature's antidote. That's why the homeopathic flu works so well. When you get the flu, you simply take a dose of a flu medicine at a patient in my office today and just had to give her these instructions. You simply take a dose under your tongue every hour to two hours until you feel better. You're taking an antidote and what it's doing is raising your body's ability to defend itself. The antidote comes from a flu strain or for example in the case of oxylococcinum from the duck flu. It doesn't have to be the exact strain. It just has to be similar because homeopathy is based on the laws of similars and they work very effectively whereas vaccinations have problems that's why our government has a vaccine compensation injury act because the government knows that people are going to be damaged the herd immunity theory has actually never been proven and never will be proven but it's essentially based on survival of the fittest and if your child happens to be one of the weaker of the herd and suffers from vaccinations, then so be it. But I don't think that you want money to compensate for a damaged child. In the late 19th century, people in Leicester, England, were so opposed to vaccination that 61 parents went to prison rather than allow their babies to be vaccinated. Now, remember, this is back in the 1800s, where they believed the threat of turning into a cow is not known, but the vaccine was called poisonous, filthy, loathsome, damnable stuff. It was made from pus, and tetanus may have been one of the contaminants. People did die from the vaccine, even the modern version. It has been called the most dangerous vaccine known to man. We're talking about the cowpox vaccine back in the 1800s. Despite the Compulsory Vaccination Act of 1853 in England, there were outbreaks in 1854. 1855, 1856, culminating in the great outbreak of 1871 with 42,000 deaths. The town of Leicester, which developed a method of quarantine rather than vaccination, fared better than other similar towns. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You're listening to The Royal Treatment. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll continue our discussion. Stay right with us. Low-dose chemotherapy uses only 10 to 20% of full-dose chemo, and it's known as IPT, or insulin-potentiated therapy. It's one of the safest and most innovative approaches to treating cancer effectively. IPT virtually eliminates side effects of full-dose chemo, such as nausea, hair loss, and fatigue. Could IPT be the answer you've been searching for? To find out, call Dr. Dan Royal at 702 562 1454. IPT uses low-dose chemo with insulin. Cancer cells have up to 20 times more insulin receptors and use up to 20 times more sugar than normal cells. That's why cancer cells thrive while normal cells struggle to survive. One study showed that using low-dose chemo with insulin resulted in a 10,000% increase in cancer-killing ability. Could IPT with low-dose chemo and insulin help you? Call Dr. Royal at 702-562-1454 to see if you qualify qualify for IPT. That's 702-562-1454. Rich is just a really, really, really good guy. The term good egg isn't enough to describe him. He's also certified organic and free range. Rich puts the cap back on everything. The toothpaste, the olive oil, the shampoo, everything. He lets his 10-year-old nephew beat him at virtual tennis, even though he can straight-up slay his 10-year-old nephew in virtual tennis. When the toilet paper is running low, Rich replaces the roll on the actual holder, not just on the back of the toilet. Rich is texting and driving. Rich, no. What are you doing, Rich? I was just telling everyone how great you are. Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org 
A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Getting to know you. Let me tell you about America Matters with Eddie Floyd. It comes on every Monday at noon. Don't want you to miss it. That's America Matters with Eddie Floyd. Want to expand your advertising dollar? Sponsor this or any America Matters program by calling 775-827-8900, extension 2. Now back to the show. We are back to the show, my friends. You are now listening to the fourth quarter of the Royal Treatment. Here every week to answer your health questions. I'm Dr. Dan Royal here in Las Vegas at the Turtle Healing Bank Clinic. Again, if you have questions, feel free to email me at droyal, R-O-Y-A-L, at Royal Medical Clinic, all one word, dot com, or call us at 702-562-1454. That's droyal at Royal Medical Clinic, dot com, or call 702-562-1454. Before the break, we were talking about vaccinations. It's a subject with which all parents who have children have to deal with sooner or later. At the very least, you need to deal with it in regards to yourself. But it's particularly critical for children because they can't make their own decisions. They are dependent upon you to make those decisions for them. For the break, we said that the city of Leicester, England, fared better with the method of quarantine rather than vaccination than other similar towns in England during the 1800s when they were being vaccinated for the cowpox virus. Continuing on with our discussion, in the early 1900s, Massachusetts here in the United States imposed a vaccine mandate in response to a smallpox outbreak with the fine of $5, about $125 in today's money, This was upheld by the United States Supreme Court in the 1905 case of Jacobson v. Massachusetts, the case that serves as a precedent for all vaccine mandates. The court did not give states blind deference. The court's paradigm is clear, writes Mary Holland, a mandate in an emergency when there was imminent danger and when an epidemic that imperiled an entire population That's when the mandate was justified. It cautioned, however, against the potential abuse of police power. Also, the court expressly created a medical exemption from vaccination, which is actually still to this day good in every state in this country, with the exception of California that's trying now to overrule that. When a person was not fit or subject for vaccination, and it would be cruel and inhumane in the last degree to vaccinate him, this qualified as the medical exemption because of Jacobson, this medical exemption exists. Now, since the 1960s, when states began to compel children to receive six or more vaccines and multiple doses, litigation is centered on exemptions. Courts have upheld extreme penalties for non-compliance, including loss of education, social isolation, parents' loss of custodial rights, child neglect sanctions against parents, and even forced vaccination. According to a study of 2,000 adults funded by the American Osteopathic Association, hey, that's my organization, I'm a DO, 45% cited at least one source that caused doubt about vaccine safety, most commonly from online articles or distrust of the pharmaceutical industry. While the majority had a favorable view of vaccines, many thought that the potential risk of vaccinations were outweighed by the benefits. 
but many are still unsure. Americans are more trusting than others. In France, 33% of 1,000 respondents responded no to the question of whether vaccines are safe. One-third of the people said no. The percentage was 24% in Russia, 22% in Switzerland, and 21% in Australia. As I mentioned earlier, it depends on where you get your information. You need both sides of the argument in to make a fair decision. Hearing one side or the other is what we would call bias and untruth, which is as good as no truth. A pilot study of a convenient sample of homeschooled children showed that based on mother's recollection, vaccinated children were more likely to have been diagnosed with pneumonia, otitis media, or a neurodevelopment disorder. Now, what's interesting is that the human diploid cell lines have been used to produce many common vaccines that have their origin in induced abortions. These vaccines include rubella, measles, mumps, rabies, polio, smallpox, hepatitis A, chickenpox, and herpes, zosters. Many others are in the pipeline as we speak. Some may try to base a request for a religious exemption on grounds analogous to the fruit of the poison tree legal doctrine in this case, or to scruples about using the findings of Nazi medical research. Established religious authorities, however, including the Roman Catholic Church, say it is morally acceptable to use products derived from remote abortions for serious reasons, such as protecting life and health. But nevertheless, people have moral objections if not religious or medical exemptions. Vaccines have been found to be contaminated with many viruses or viral DNA, such as the SV40 virus and early polio vaccines. In 2011, molecular biologist Judy Mikovits announced a discovery that at least 30% of our vaccines are contaminated with gamma retroviruses and that these viruses are linked to autism, myalgic encephalomyelitis, chronic fatigue syndrome, and other neurologic diseases. Many of you may remember back in 1959, when the polio vaccine was being manufactured, a whistleblower drew attention to the fact that a cancer-causing agent was being put in to the vaccines. Millions of Americans were contaminated by the company that produced the vaccine. This was done knowingly. Why was it done? Well, the company executives said we had deadlines to meet, and they also had investors to satisfy. Most vaccines today also contain aluminum adjuvants, a known neurotoxin. Now, the amount that gets concentrated in the brain or other tissue and the immune reactions that uh, small quantities may trigger is the important fact. It doesn't have to be a lot. It can be a small amount if someone is sensitive to it. An emerging inflammatory myopathy called macrophagic myofasciitis was described in 1998. In addition to the chronic fatigue and myalgias, up to 20% of patients develop a concurrent condition believed to be of autoimmune etiology, such as Hashimoto's thyroiditis. That's an autoimmune condition of your thyroid. Dermatomyositis, reaction of your skin, rheumatoid arthritis of your joints, Sjogren syndrome, which affects your saliva, and a or a demyelating condition, which could be something similar to multiple sclerosis. Cognitive complaints occur in 20 to 68%, and cognitive dysfunction can be severe. We're talking about vaccines that have been contaminated, I should say contaminated, but have had added to them aluminum adjuvants. Shaw and Tomlinovic report that a highly significant correlation exists between the number of pediatric aluminum adjuvanted vaccines administered and the rate of autism spectrum disorders. The correlation was the strongest at three to four months of age, a period of rapid growth of the child's central nervous system, including the regions of the brain responsible for short-term memory, social interactions, and sleep regulation functions that are impaired in autism. So the timing of the vaccine is also important. Typically, our recommendations are that the mothers should breastfeed their children for the first year of life. That way, they get passive antibodies and the child is protected.
protected against all the things that medicine is concerned about. You have to remember the child's immune system is still developing during those early months. It takes about six months for the child's immune system to be fully developed, which is why breastfeeding is so critical and important. Well, in addition to the adverse effects we just mentioned regarding aluminum, uh, there's also thimerosal, which is murky, and the two together may have a synergistic toxicity. Controversy also over the HPV or human papilloma virus vaccine may bring all of this to a head. Despite intense promotion by manufacturers, vaccine uptake is less than desired. Reports of devastating disability or death in healthy active children teenagers following this vaccine will not go away. In fact, we reported a study on this show where it has been shown that a large percentage, about a third of those receiving the vaccine, I'm talking about young men and women, have been made to be sterile, meaning they can no longer conceive or have children. The CDC declares HPV vaccines to be very safe and effective in preventing HPV-related cancer. The Vaccine Safety Data Link conducted a study of 13 deaths occurring within 30 days following the HPV V vaccine known as Gardasil, identified by healthy, uh, I should say, health plans. Despite the triumphal narrative about the anti-cancer vaccine, FDA and WHO, World Health Organization, have received more than 100,000 reports of adverse events, including death from around the world. Families who report them are labeled anti-vaccine and anti-science by media and government agencies. This marginalization and bullying destroys civil public discourse and discourages scientific inquiry when we urgently need both. In Pakistan, opposition to the vaccine campaign has gone underground since the government started to jail noncompliant parents several years ago, with parents hiding their children or using fake finger markings to pretend that they have been vaccinated. And it is acknowledged that oral polio vaccine-derived virus paralyzed 105 children worldwide in 2018, the wild virus only 33 and interestingly, in Australia, family assistance payments amounting to $8,200 per year may be withdrawn for refusal to vaccinate. So you can see, my friends, it's not just a choice, depending on where you live. Sometimes it's mandated and privileges are withheld, including your liberty, if not your money or your children. Much to think about, much to discuss. I have lots of information I have shared with people from time to time, including my friend who is struggling with the issue. We sent her an article where there are eight questions you need to ask before you vaccinate. We can talk about that next week. I'm Dr. Dan Royer, listening to The Royal Treatment. Thank you for being with us, my friends. My hope is that you have learned one new thing from being with us today. If so, your time with us has been well spent. Until next week, may you all be well.